All right, guys. Uh, so uh, I'm doing the Fran Tarkenton radio show this morning, right? Calling audibles along the way. Turning now to my next guest, Jeff Clayton. Uh, Jeff, uh, sorry for the delay. Great to have you on the show. You're the executive director of the American Bail Coalition. By the way, coming out of the discussion with Smoke, I think this is a great back-to-back. Uh, but the Tenth Circuit case that may well determine the constitutionality of bail, oral argument, Arguments were heard on Tuesday. Uh, Jeff, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to have you here. And, uh, you know, all, all things aside, this issue has become somewhat of a hot button in a number of states. Uh, let's talk about the case uh, that may well change this landscape and the importance or of bail. Sure. So this case really is a, is a question of does the government have to offer you a right to monetary bail or at least consider that as part of setting bail? Uh, here, a defendant named Darlene Collins uh, was held under the new New Mexico rules, uh, which were implemented in um, July of 2017, uh, for five days and was denied her right to bail. She was ultimately uh, released. And the question is, does the federal constitution allow that or do judges have to at least consider the setting uh, of bail. And certainly an, in a, another case in New Jersey challenging their system, the Third Circuit held that there is no right uh, to monetary bail in the United States of America. So what we're looking to see is what the Tenth Circuit's going to say, and then ultimately, hopefully, uh, that the Supreme Court will weigh in on it. Now, I've heard from law enforcement on this issue and uh, people on the prosecutorial side, if you will, on the court system. And one of the the reasons for bail, and it doesn't always work, people skip bail <laughs> for many reasons, but one of the reasons for bail is it, it, it's, I don't know if incentive's the right word, I'm, I'm looking for the word, but it's a way to say that you will show up, you've put something up of value, that you will come back to be, you know, to work your way through the system, whatever the case may be. If we remove bail... What's the incentive? Well, the incentive breaks down, is what we've seen uh, in many states. Uh, and you look at what's happening in Houston, Texas, when they largely you know, got rid of misdemeanor bail through a court case down there. The failure to appear rate in misdemeanor cases climbed you know, well over 50%. Uh, when, you know, when bail was involved, you, know, you saw rates below 10%. So you know, I think there is an economic incentive. The other thing that most people don't think about is it's third parties that are posting bail. They're the ones that are leaning on these co-signers to do what they're supposed to because they know that they and the bail bondsmen are both liable if they don't do what they're supposed to do, which is show up in court. From the person going through the system, and you run into this when you have people who don't have the means to provide bail. And you're right, it's a third party, but and again, not having been through it, I'm working a little bit in the dark here, which I think is a good thing. Uh, you know, you go to a bail bondsman, you put up something of value, the bondsman issues that bail, or in some way a third party gets involved. But there are people who don't have anything to offer of value. And then you get into the... Um, I don't know if it's the social justice crowd, the right way to put it, or those who say, well, you know what, they have nothing to give, so you should just trust them. How do you handle that? Where do you find a road that works for both the system and for the the defendant? Well, there's a couple of things we can do. I think the number one thing that we advocate for is looking at whether bail is necessary in some of these low 
level cases. And so we have places in this country where you can be held on bail, but the offense is not ultimately an offense for which you could be jailed if convicted. So that's one thing. Um, and the other thing is some of these lower level offenses where they're, you know, they're going to get out anyway, they're not going to serve time. There's, is there really a need um, to keep these people in jail uh, in the first place? And then the second thing that we have to do as a country is take bail more seriously. Uh, and it starts with due process. Um, you know, the, our system relies on judges to make these decisions and to reduce bails or eliminate bails uh, when they feel that it's appropriate. But in our country, what we've seen is we just don't have the resources or the time um, so that people can be heard in a timely fashion. Well, changes in the judicial structure, technology upgrades significantly reduce processing, trial. Are there ways to do that? In other words, let's find ways to to make the system better and more efficient to eliminate part of the the controversy, if you will, over the bail issue? I think so. And I think when the federal government was going to this no money bail system, at the time, the ACLU said the number one way to fix this uh, that's fair, bipartisan, and is better for everybody is to speed up the process. Uh, so speedy trial reform. So if you're in jail, you're in jail less. If you're out on bond, you're out on bond less. If you're a bondsman, you have somebody out on bond for less time. So when you add it all up, that's probably the number one thing that can be done. Now, can, can it actually be done is the question. And, you know, I worked for a state court system for five years. And we were proud of the fact that, uh, you know, case disposition times weren't um, increasing. And, and the reality is, is they've remained pretty flat for a very long time. So next steps, the 10th Circuit and then the next steps. Where, where does this go? So the Tenth Circuit's going to obviously have to confront the reality of do they want to just rely on what the Third Circuit said uh, and create another right to appeal for the Supreme Court or not. Um, they will probably mull this over for five to six months. Uh, so another example of a speedy um, judicial process. <laughs> and at that point, the uh, whoever wins, whoever loses, will have an opportunity uh, to decide whether they want to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court or sort of abide by the decision, whatever it happens to be. 